God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. <laughs> In spite of our best efforts, he does a pretty good job, doesn't he? Ever been lost? Oh, only men get lost. Well, obviously the anointing's left us this morning, praise God. So look, they won't ask for directions. I know it. I know it how men are. I have in my hands the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul, and find us when we're lost. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, Lord Jesus, speak to me. Speak to me. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, I want you to turn and spit on your neighbor. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. But high five or pound your neighbor there, all right. If you want to lean over and give them a hug, that'd be okay, too. Why don't you go ahead and lean over and give your neighbor a hug? That's a, We don't get enough hugs in our life, do we? We need to be, we need to. Hug each other. I agree. Of course, around here, you get a whole lot of hugging around here. So if you're offended by hugging, just tell them. They'll, they won't hug you. And then in a few weeks, you'll, your arms will get shorter. And then in a few weeks, pretty soon, you'll just let them hug you. So there you go. Awesome. Amen. This morning, I want us uh, to talk a few moments about some Bible people who thought by what they did could create salvation in their life. It is not what we do that makes anything happen. It's what's already been done for us. But our tendency as humans and in the flesh is that we think if I do enough stuff, somehow God will respond and you know some of us are even taught that as you as you grow up and by observation we will watch people be involved in church and church work and we believe if we do all this stuff somehow that just will create salvation for us and really our stuff we do should be driven by an attitude of gratitude for what's already been done you see why would you want to pray without ceasing? Why would you want to witness and testify of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why would you want to get up and in March come to church at 9 o'clock? <laughs> well, I don't plan to. Well, okay, that's all right. But why would you give money to buy a vehicle that we can carry a lot more folks in? So you didn't know we were having five, six, and seven kids sitting on a seat, did you? That's supposed to be built for three. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. I can't wait to take our first seniors trip. See, now we'll have a wheels. We can take off somewhere. We may not come back for a few days. Because, see, they don't have to be anywhere. Praise God. And they'll need a driver. I'll volunteer. I'll volunteer. Once I get my license that Cindy said I probably can't pass the test. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've ridden with Parmenter, so He's going to teach me. 
at, at that, Michelle's going, oh, my goodness, okay. But our text we read our, this morning was realizing how much the man understood. Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Because eternity is so very close to each of us, we have not long to answer the question of what will we do with Jesus to be saved. I believe with all of my heart that we're in the last days. Can it get any worse? Oh, it's looked bad, hasn't it, over the years and through our history. Israel continues to be the focal point of the world. That little bitty land, that little bitty piece of land. Why is it such a focal point in our world if God isn't a part of that? <laughs> well, this book right here tells me that He is a part of that. That's His land. and We better be careful when we start telling them how to divide their land. We better be careful. Every president that has come along that's decided to help subdivide Israel has gone out with the low, low rankings and, and uh, uh, approval ratings. I think, more, by and large, is because they're trying to do something that God says he owns. Don't mess with God. If you haven't learned that yet, you need to learn that. Don't mess with God. Trust me, he can take you out. He did bring you into this world, and he can take you out, as Bill Cosby so graphically told his children. Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is finished, the summer is gone, and the people cry, yet we are not saved. But today, today, you can still be saved. Today, you still have the opportunity to find Jesus if you don't know him as your Savior. And you may try to answer that question with these examples I want to give you this morning. The first one I want to give you is found in Genesis 4, 3. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. You see, you can bring your offering as Cain did and still be lost. Because that's not what God told him to do, is it? You see, we want to bring what we think is okay for God to accept when God has already clearly told us what we're supposed to bring, but we don't want to bring that. Somebody asked Billy Graham one time, will God bless me or, or should I give of my gross amount of income or my net amount of income? To which Billy Graham said, do you want God to bless you on the gross amount or on the net amount? And see, when you get sick and you've been given a death sentence with that illness, oftentimes if we have not been faithfully, consistently giving of our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, we instantly get out the checkbook and we think, if I'll just write that big check, boy, things are going to look better on my, in my stead with God. And guess what? He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. I just asked him to sell one cow. All of a sudden, one phone call, one person wrote up a, enough money for us to buy that people movie. Just like that. Now, there was other folks that have given along the way as well. Amen? 
But we were at a point where we needed that much more money. Boom, there it comes. Woo! And the person wasn't going to give that much to start with. <laughs> I just love the way God works. God just kind of pulled the person aside and said, hang on just a minute. You ever had God do that to you? Just say, hang on just a minute. Let me talk to you just a second. Yeah, that's the way he works. Because you see, as Cain discovered, our own works don't work. Our best isn't good enough. Our sacrifice does not appease God. Oh, but Lord, I've, I've taught Sunday school for 3,900 years. Oh, but God, I've been an elder in the church. Oh, but God, I've been a deacon forever. Oh, but God, I go to the nursing home. Oh, but God, I go to John 3.16 every fourth Wednesday night of the month. Oh, God, I give my check regularly to the church. God's going. So? Because the one thing that you haven't said to him is that God hears all of my heart. If you give him all of your heart, what else is going to go? Everything. <laughs> Everything. When I gave my heart to Cindy 31 years ago, she got everything. Now she's wanting to, she's, she's having second thoughts. I, I got you. Everything? Everything. I like it when young men say, when I do counseling with them, I say, well, I'm not marrying her family. I'm marrying her. I said, you an idiot, boy. <laughs> yeah. I said, you inheriting all of it, and it would behoove you to check it all out there, friend. <laughs> or the girl says, I'm marrying him. I'm not marrying his family. <laughs> you get it all, don't you? The good, bad, and the ugly. And lots of it's ugly. We've all got those relatives. We just soon our mates never meet. And sure enough, that first, sure enough, that first uh, family reunion, who shows up? Hadn't been in years, but they come this one. <laughs> there you go. It's through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, that our offerings are met and come through okay. It's through the simple obedience of faith Cain should have brought the first fruits of his labor, not what he thought God would accept. Don't mess around. Bring it to God. Bring it to Him. Well, preacher, I just don't have it. Then sell something. Why are we in the position we're in financially in this country? It's because people bought stuff they couldn't afford. Because lending institutions said, I'll give it to you. I like what the one guy said on the radio when the credit card companies called him and said, man, you're delinquent in your payment. He says, hey, I was a risk when y'all signed me up. <laughs> yeah, I knew I couldn't make it. Well, there's people who bought $500,000 houses. They couldn't afford that. But if you set the payment long enough and you stretch it out for 115 years on the payment note, sure. Because everybody lives to be 115 years, don't they? 
Seems silly, but you know what I'm saying. But we can bring our offering as Cain did, still be lost. Secondly, we may weep as did Esau and seek repentance and still be lost. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 16 and 17. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son of a single for a single meal. 17, you know that afterward when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Underline it, highlight it in your Bible. It was too late for repentance. It takes more than crying. It takes more than being sorry. Because usually we're sorry we got caught for the sin, not sorry about the sin. How does the potential new secretary of the treasury who will run our whole nation's economy, how does he forget for three years to pay his taxes? I know he used TurboTax. That was his argument. He used TurboTax and it didn't tell him to do it. Really? Really? Awesome. I love what the one senator finally, somebody with some sense, looked at him and said, well, maybe when you're confirmed, and I'm sure you will be, maybe you can get with the new president and you guys can figure out a way to give amnesty to everybody else who simply forgot to pay their taxes. Wouldn't that be great? No taxes for three years. Hallelujah. Woo! I'm free. Free at last. Thank God I'm free at last. Yeah. Because taxation is a burden, isn't it? It is. That's why the law was what it was. It was a yoke around their neck. Jesus came and lifted the burden. Jesus came and took away the pressure of the law. But Esau, through tears, wanted repentance. But it's a work of God's grace. It's the Spirit of God that draws us so that we can find repentance. In John 6, it says, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. I love that. You see, when you come in true repentance, it's obvious. It's obvious. It's obvious. You may bring your offering as Cain did, still be lost. You may weep as Esau did and seek repentance still be lost. And thirdly, you may flee Sodom as did Lot's wife, but still be lost. Genesis 19.26, but Lot's wife looked back, looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. God said, don't look back. And what do we do? Our sins, we take to the foot of the cross. We go right over here, and we take our sins off and we put them right there. We say our prayers. Oh, Lord, lift the burden of my sins. Oh, Lord, I give them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Then we turn this way and we reach down with this arm and we pull them back up and throw them on our back again and walk off. I'm, I'll wait for another one. <laughs> Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because we grudgingly give them away. You see, she was going to leave Sodom, but she was going to do it grudgingly. How do I know that? Because she looked back. If 
God calls you away from sin, leave it. Don't look back at it. Don't look back at it. Man, just run. Forrest Gump, you ever remember that movie? Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> he never looked back, did he? What, on that one thing, his mama died, and he, when his mama died and he took off running and didn't quit for, how long was he running? Years, he was just running. Somebody said, what are you doing? He said, I'm just running. What are you running from? I don't know, I'm just running. But he never looked back, did he? Don't look back. When you drop your sins, leave them. She didn't want to come out because she wanted to make sure she looked good. Lot's wife. She wanted to, she wanted it her way. Because I really believe that she came out of Sodom with every intention of going back one day. Hey folks, when Jesus lifts the burdens of your sin, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. Just start running. Run, Forrest, run. Don't look back. You might bring your offering as Cain did. You might weep as Esau did, seeking repentance. You might flee Sodom as Lot's wife did, but you'll still be lost. And you may make long, flowery prayers, as did the Pharisees, but you'll still be lost. Jesus said, don't stand on the street corner praying as the Pharisees did, drawing attention to themselves. You know, I've wondered over the years, watching people, listening to people pray, if they're not praying those kind of prayers, huh? You remember growing up as a kid, you'd hear the same men pray the same prayers at the table? Well, they'd say that prayer, and, and it was one of those prayers. You knew it was a godly prayer because it just sounded godly. And I'm reminded of the preacher or, or the elders that were praying at the table, and uh, <clears> the <throat> preacher asked him to pray. And so he bows his head and he said, Lord, would you please bless our fruit of the loom today? And then the other guy, to try to help catch up, he said, And Lord, would you bless our falling shorts? I'm going to laugh a little, folks. Come on, now. Because we're funny people. We do some funny things in the name of Jesus. Like the old boy that finished praying a great prayer, and he, you know how men will do. They'll pull the britches up and tuck their shirts in and all that stuff. Well, this old boy was praying and tucking for quite a while. And once he got through the amen, he took off, and the American flag went right with him. <laughs> <clears throat> but don't make long flowery prayers the Pharisees did that you see they pray in their order you need to pray in God's order when you need repentance when you need salvation you need to first of all get on your knees and cry out to God for forgiveness you need to pray that prayer you need to pray with few words and make what words you do say powerful. I'm trying to learn to preach with fewer words. To which you would say amen. St. Francis of Assisi said we must preach every day of our lives. And if we must, use words. Because your actions speak much, much louder at times than your words. Pray to God and not to everybody else. Bring your offering as Cain did. You can weep as Esau did, seeking repentance. You can flee Sodom as Lot's wife did. You can make long, flowery prayers as the Pharisees did, and you'll still be lost. And then you may tremble 
as Felix and the devils do. And still be lost. In Acts 24 and 25 it says, As he reasoned with them, that's Paul, about righteousness and self-control in the coming day of judgment, Felix began to tremble. Go away for now, he said, when it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. In the King James it says, almost thou persuadest me, Paul. I like this translation. When it is more convenient, I'll call you again. When is it going to be more convenient? When it's on your schedule? Or when it's on God's. James 2.19 says, you, shall, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in fear. The demons, the devil himself, knows the power of God. And you and I have the audacity to sit here in smug pride and say, I'll get there when I get there. Yeah, that's what we do. Well, I've been hurt. People down at that church, they've hurt me. Or somewhere down in the years, some preacher's done something or somebody said something and they were a Christian and because they were like that, well, you've just wrote off everything. Well, no, I don't need to go down there. I see it in men a lot. Oh, pride's an ugly thing. Those men say it's all right for the women and children, but I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to church. I love it. I said, well, someday you're going to wish you went to church. <laughs> Amen? Because there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day. The Bible's promise is, every knee shall and every tongue will that Jesus is Lord. And so if you don't do a lot of worshiping and praising that Jesus is Lord now, it's going to be hard on Judgment Day to get those words out too. But let me, tra- let, me, let me tell you, every guy that's always said, I don't need church, is going to be screaming loud, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> and God may look down at him and say, I don't even know who you are. Ooh. Hmm. You may be as near as was the rich young ruler or Judas and still be lost. In Matthew 19, 25, it says the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and He said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. And in the context here, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked about heaven. How do I get there? How can I be saved? And Jesus said, You need to follow the commandments. He said, Well, I've done that since a child. He said, Then sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler hung his head and walked away sadly. That's a terrible story because he chose the riches of the world over salvation and eternity with God. So you might say, well, if he's a believer, he's always going to go. Well, evidently, according to that, he wasn't going to get to go because he was holding on to everything else. I've never seen a hearse pull a U-Haul to the grave yet. Not yet. Not yet. I may see it one day, but I haven't yet. But you may be as near as was the rich young ruler or Judas and miss it. But I'm here to tell you that all things are possible with God. He can take the crustiest heart, the most deviant spirit, and change it 
in an instant and save your soul. You may be almost persuaded as King Agrippa. As King Agrippa. <laughs> and still be lost. Because you see, almost, almost can cost you dearly. In Acts 26, 27 through 29, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? And Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except in these chains. You see, he was under Roman imprisonment and testifying before King Agrippa. And King Agrippa thought Paul was trying to rush him, put him on the fast track to salvation. He said, you think you're going to get me that quick to turn around? Paul said, I just want you to be like I am, except without chains. Because you see, the chains didn't bind Paul, did they? The he was set free a long time ago. So you've got to ask yourself, if I almost wait, almost can send you to hell. Almost will cause you to miss heaven. Almost will not be enough to save you. You can get to judgment day and he'll look down from his throne and say, why should I let you into, into my heaven? You can say, well, I almost went forward. Well, why should I let you into heaven? Well, I almost listened to what my mother and dad told me when I was a kid. Well, why should I let you into heaven? Well, I almost listened to my grandma. She talked to me all the time about Jesus, and I never did listen. Well, why should I let you into heaven? Well, I, I almost got there. If you almost get... It's like, ladies, if your husband says, I, I, I almost love you, boy, you're going to just be enraptured with that dude, aren't you? I mean, ladies, if, if, if you can only get an almost love you out of him, Hmm. That's what rolling pins are for, amen? You know where the old boy sleeps? <laughs> he may not wake up. You got it? Yeah, I mean, guys, hey, you're going yeah, to be passionately in love with a woman that says, well, I almost love you. Almost love you? Well, who are you loving besides me? Well, that's none of your business. What do you mean it's my business? But you see, that's the kind of relationships we tend to have, isn't it? Well, I almost love you enough. Hmm. Hmm. That's the way we treat Jesus every day. Well, I almost love you. Now, I can't let you have this, Jesus, because if you take this, then I, I don't have any fun. Oh, Jesus, I can't, I, 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 I can't give you that. No, 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 not that. Jesus. See, you fill in the blank, whatever that is. It's because we've all got them. We've all got things that we take a hitch in our thought process when God says, hey, let me have that. We all take a hitch and go, I, 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 I know I should, but... Well, he understands how I am. We begin to justify just like that. You know, if it's baptism, if it's church membership, if it's being really sold out to Christ. Whether quickly or not, I pray, as Paul says to Agrippa, to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am. And that is saved in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's not enough to know Him 
and know about Him, He wants to have a relationship with us. That's what I love about being married to my wife for as long as we've been married. Is that I learn new things all the time. And my love for her grows deeper and greater all the time. She worries about me. She's afraid. If I don't, yeah, I came to the office the other night and I got sidetracked. I, you know how we men are. I got sidetracked, but I was gone for three minutes. <laughs> and I didn't answer my cell phone. She instantly believes I'm in a coma somewhere, a diabetic coma somewhere. And I said, honey, I will call you if I'm in a diabetic coma. but I'm so grateful that she even called. I mean, I could walk out the door and hear, yippee. <laughs> oh, that's a... Well, that'll, <laughs> that'll build your love, doesn't it? Are you with me? So the next time we decide to walk out the house, the house of God, let's make sure that he understands that... Uh, we love him and appreciate him. So you can bring your, old, your offering as Cain did and still be lost. You can weep as Esau did, seeking repentance and still be lost. You can flee Sodom as did Lot's wife and still be lost. You can make long, flowery prayers as the Pharisees did and still be lost. You can tremble as Felix and the devils did and still be lost. You can be as near as the rich rung ruler of Judas and still be lost. You can almost be persuaded as Agrippa was but still be lost. What are you going to do about that today? Father, I ask you this morning that each of us consider where we are with you. It seems easy to just be one of your kids. It seems easy to just say the words, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But it's a greater testimony when we actually live those words when we according to Galatians 2.20 crucify ourselves and it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and Father that's demonstrated by our words, by our actions and by our hearts so Father we need hearts given to you today there might be a group of folks here that just need prayer would they let that be known they're struggling with the burden that they, they can't unload and they need some prayer support. We'd love to get around them and pray for them. Father, there may be a group of folks here that just don't know you as their Savior. We'd like to have an opportunity to teach them what that means. Then there might be some here that have been a Christian a long time and they've been attending our church for a while and they said, you know, I want to make this church my home church. And Father, why is that important? It's because we can identify with our friends where we go and encourage them to come and be a part of it it's easy to just hang out it's not so easy sometimes to make a commitment so father would you move in those hearts as well whatever decision might need to be made today would you have those folks major make it courageously this morning in jesus name amen let's stand and sing as the team leads us in our invitation song